Welcome to episode 40 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Well, what an exciting week. There's a lot of stuff I want to share with you guys, but first let me introduce the guest. Um, I've been following Alex Nail for a very long time. He's one of my favorite landscape photographers. He's based in the UK, and man, he just... He, he climbs mountains over there and like just takes these amazing photographs that uh, of these places that most people have never seen. He's working on some really cool time-lapse projects, um, and um, I just really enjoy his work. Uh, we got to talking about a lot of sweet topics, including um, photographing hard-to-reach places, um, time-lapse photography, keeping his work fresh while trying to promote um, and write a book, which is challenging. Um, the importance of critique, and um, this this concept of uh, social media and an online arms race for self-promotion and how that impacts uh, landscape photography. Um, and also we talked a little bit about processing styles, uh, differences between the U.S. and Europe that he's noticed. A um, couple of really cool things I wanted to um, plug here on the podcast this week, some really sweet... Um, developments. So I have collaborated with The League Landscape Magazine. Um, it is a once a year subscription uh, magazine that promotes uh, ethical landscape photography. Um, it's a fantastic magazine and um, $50 supporters um, of the podcast on Patreon will receive a free subscription to The League Magazine if you sign up on Patreon before the end of February. Uh, 2018. Um, so there'll be info in the liner notes about that. And then second of all, I wanted to um, share some exciting news. I am now a format high-tech ambassador. Um, and so you can get uh, discounted filters um, by using a code that they've developed for me on the podcast. It's uh, P-A-Y-N-E 10 and you get 10% off um, filters at format high-tech which uh, I really like their filters. I've been using them on my Sony mirrorless system and um, really enjoy. Um, they're very, very uh, well built and um, I think you'll like them too. Um, as usual, reach out to me on social media, uh, Matt Payne Photography, Matt Payne Photo, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We also have a Reddit sub uh, subreddit for the podcast and we have a Facebook group as well. So join up on those and join the conversation. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Snail, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been looking forward to having you on here for quite a while. Thanks very much for having me on, Matt. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if um, if you remember this or not, but uh, a couple of years back, um, I was a guest editor on 500px, and um, I made one of your photos a, an editor's choice. I don't remember that at all. I'm supposed to say yes to that, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's that's all right. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, that's I didn't uh, I didn't know about your work until um, I think I had posted on Google Plus or something like that, asking for recommendations, and um, someone pointed me in your direction, and you know stumbled onto your work, and um, 
you know, it, it immediately resonated with me because um, I'm also a, a mountain guy. Like I like to climb mountains here in Colorado. So yeah, so I see just much, much bigger mountains than we have here, I think. Yeah, but uh, you're, you got some amazing photography um, in your portfolio that uh, I'm always drooling over. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, well, shoot, before we get super deep in everything, I was hoping maybe you could just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like uh, who you are, you know, where do you live, um, and maybe tell everyone a little bit about uh, how you got into this journey of landscape photography. Sure. So um, I'm actually from Devon in the southwest of England originally, which is quite a, a beautiful part of the country. Uh, and I picked up photography. Well, at, at school, I started shooting creatively when my friends were just taking snaps. I, I liked being a bit more creative. But it was when I was at uni and I, I got an SLR camera um, that I started to, uh, you know, take it more seriously and, and head out with my camera. And that actually got me into the hiking. So I know a lot of people get to uh, the uh, take, taking photos out hiking the other way around. So they're hikers first and photographers second. But I certainly came to the photography first. Um, but I did five years as an aeronautical engineer uh, at Airbus first. Okay. Um, and then, well, I, I had a few contract offers on the table and I, I sort of felt, right, well, uh, here's my chance to escape the, the daily grind, as they say. Um, and here I am. Wow, that's 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 pretty inspirational for me because, um, uh, you know, I just lost my job last week and I'm kind of facing a similar crossroads like right now, like, do I want to do something else with my life now or do I want to continue down the path I was going down? So what, uh, what was it that sealed the deal for you to, to, to really fully pursue the photography thing? Well, I mean, I, I think if, I think if you go into photography full time, you kind of have to build a business first. I think, you know, just jumping out there is, is very, very difficult to do, especially now. Um, so I, I was kind of growing the business, um, selling prints. I did the odd exhibition here and there. Um, and I was working really hard at it in my spare time. Um, but I, I shot a time-lapse film of Dartmoor, which again is in the Southwest of England in Devon. It's my local national park. Uh, and that kind of took off for me and it led to a few contract offers um, with the British Tourist Authority. Oh, nice. um, and and so then I started to get these contracts where I couldn't accept them while still working. Um, so originally I asked for a sabbatical from work, uh, which was declined because they told me I would never come back. <laughs> <laughs> and they were probably right. <laughs> yeah, yes, they, they probably were. Uh, that's awesome, dude. So, um, so it sounds like you kind of... Uh, got your launch uh through time lapse yeah that's right yeah and it's it's something that i i still want to do more of actually i mean unfortunately for me that that contract work is disappeared um hopefully temporarily but um uh yeah if it's permanent that that puts me in a slightly difficult position because uh i i've always wanted to combine um you know do, doing the workshop side and selling prints with actually with actually working commercially um because i really enjoy that creative side of of being given a brief and then delivering to that brief so that's my hope that i'll pick up more work like that yeah um i think that's awesome i've i've always wanted to to do that as well because um um you know it's a very uh focused project um you you kind of you already have a predefined um objective in mind and then it's up to you as the creative to deliver 
to deliver on what it is you're being asked to deliver on, which uh, to me, that's pretty appealing. So, Yeah, and, and particularly as a landscape photographer, because of course, most of what we do isn't actually that commercial. So uh, the kind of jobs I, I've done have been very different to what I ordinarily would have done, which makes it interesting as well in, in that it is different. Um, so there's that side as well to, you know, it gives you the opportunity to do things you might otherwise not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like stuff that you normally wouldn't be doing on your own. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, cause I think it's something we both have in common and it's obviously something that drew me to your photography and that is, um, this, this idea of photographing hard to reach places. Um, I know that's something that, that a lot of your photography is based around and, and a lot of my photography is also based around, um, that same kind of idea. Um, so I just wanted to you talk to you about that and what, what that means to you and why you do it. Just before we get into that, I was just looking at your website just before we, we got on and I saw your weight calculator for different camera systems. Oh, yeah. And I thought, finally, there's somebody as anal as me about weight. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I have a, a spreadsheet just like that. I mean, when I, when I went to Greenland, I weighed literally everything. Yeah, dude. I weighed everything. Uh, and, yeah. That's, that's um, yeah, absolutely. Especially, if, you know, you're, you're, for me anyway, like if I'm climbing to 13,000, 14,000 feet, like every ounce counts. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going up um, uh, a peak in Scotland called Leotach with a guy uh, last weekend. And uh, he was talking about taking um, his stove up because he didn't have a cup to, to drink from. And I was oh. like, well, just use the cu cup at the bottom of my stove. And they just, he's like, no, I can, I can carry it. It's fine. And I was like, are you crazy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny. I used to be the same way um, until I met a friend of mine. He's like, he, he, he's like really into ultralight backpacking. And um, sure. so like slowly but surely over the last two years, I've gone from like carrying 60 pounds to carrying like 28 pounds and it's awesome, you know? Yeah. The problem for me is I've, uh, I, as much weight as I save in my backpack, I tend to replace with camera gear. So sure. I started out with, with one camera system and then I decided, oh, okay, I'm going to shoot time-lapse. So I need two cameras so I can shoot two time-lapses or shoot stills and time-lapse at the same time. And then the time lapse rig and it all it all adds up pretty quickly and then brought a sound recording thing along which i've hardly used and <laughs> oh i know how it goes dude uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh so yeah tell me about uh photographing uh hard to reach places and and what why do you do that because i think there's a lot of photographers yeah. that that there's no way in hell that they would do a lot of the stuff that you do <laughs> yeah there's there's so many reasons for that actually um i mean I guess for me, it started out that, um, I mean, w within a few years of me doing photography seriously, so maybe like in by, by 2011, 2012, there are a lot of people popping up on my local national park photographing uh, similar locations to me. Um, you know, they're all pretty easily accessible. Uh, and I felt that my work was drifting into the generic side of things. Mm. Uh, and I, I wanted to push that boundary a bit further. Um, and, and take some shots that other people hadn't taken as, you know, to differentiate myself. I think however you do it, all artists have to try to differentiate themselves in, in some way. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty fundamental. Uh, so it doesn't mean you need to go to the middle of nowhere, but maybe you need to approach taking the photograph in a different way or, but whatever you do, um, do something different. And that's, that's the, uh, that's the path I went down, but in increasingly, um, there's two 
different reasons. One is I love the experiences that I associate with my images. I mean, that's something that only I can enjoy, I guess. Mm. Um, although, you know, sometimes I go with friends and, and my girlfriend, uh, and, and so you can share that experience, which is even better. Um, and the other side is I really like having to work for my photos, like li- literally suffer for them, yeah. <laughs> uh, which which sounds really weird, but but the level of satisfaction I get from that uh, is, is enormous. Um, and so I, I think that's something I'll, I'll always do with my photography. Yeah, man. Uh, man, I feel exactly the same way. Um, I've, uh, I lived in uh, Portland, Oregon for a couple of years. And, and when I lived there, I found myself kind of going to all the same locations that everyone's already shot before. And um, just because I, you know, I was so unfamiliar with the area, so I didn't really have yeah. uh, anything else that I could do. And well, at least without doing more research and, you know, I was working full time as well back then as well. So, you know, I just tried to find normal locations and, and it just wasn't satisfying to me. And so, um, yeah, I'm the same way. Like, uh, this, this past autumn, uh, I went on a, a trip here in Southwest Colorado to do, to shoot fall colors. Um, and of course, like the area that I went to, like, it's pretty, pretty popular. And so there's, you know, there's probably a couple hundred photographers in that general location on any given mm-hmm. weekend in the autumn. Um, and so I decided to like climb up this super steep trail for like eight miles to this vantage point up above all of that stuff. And it was, and then I had like lightning coming in on me. So then I had to descend like a thousand, 2000 feet and then go all the way back up again for sunset. So I worked my ass off for like two photographs, but <laughs> it was awesome. That's what I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of wish I could, uh, let other fit photographers experience uh, the, the way the way I see my approach sometimes because it seems like this completely nonsensical you know really hard work you're going to be miserable suffering uphill and and actually a lot of the time I don't even enjoy hiking I mean <laughs> there's loads of guys out there who just can't wait to get outdoors and you know slog up a mountain half the time I'm there I think oh god why am I doing this again um, but but the, you know. Sometimes it is amazing when you, when you're hiking. You just have a, have an awesome time. The weather's good. Uh, you're feeling fit uh, and, and strong. Um, other times you, you don't enjoy that. You get to the top, you get rained out, and you come straight off the mountain, and you go, "Oh, that sucked." And then the following day, you got it again, and you get the best moment you know you've had in a month, and it, and it all seems worth it. And and those um, yeah, those highs and lows really make it feel like you're living, don't they? Absolutely. I mean, uh, that, so, I, yeah, I, I just wish other photographers would would sort of take that step because actually, I think, I mean, I haven't spoken to you about this before, but I I'm sure you probably come at it from the point of view that a lot more people could do it than do do it because the sort of fear of starting is is the barrier. No, I I definitely agree. Um, I think it depends on where where it is you want to do that at. Um, obviously, yeah, there's not the Himalayas. <laughs> Right. Well, and I mean, even here in Colorado, I mean, there's definitely some risks involved that you need to educate yourself on. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's nothing you couldn't pick up in a like two hour conversation with someone who's done it before. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily mean you know heading off eight miles up a up a steep trail, but you know, just just walking a mile up a you know up a 
low hill uh, to give you a vantage point or just some different view because I mean essentially 99% of photographers are going to stay within 100 meters of a road that's sort of the way it seems to work in the UK anyway um, which I think is a bit of a shame it is a bit of it is definitely a bit of a shame but um, personally I'm glad because uh, you know <laughs> yeah yeah well there is that side. I mean because yeah yeah, you got to yourself. Of, yeah exactly part of the experience for me is um is getting out there alone and um just absorbing the surroundings of nature and like for me it's like it's like this battery charger like that goes right straight into my soul and like yeah, it's uh, right. hard to explain but like that's the effect it has on me and and that that effect is diminished when when there's more people around me so um at least yeah that is that is very true i think it's a shame for photography as a whole but great for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because i mean shit i could think of a lot of artists that uh that could probably just crush it um in some of these locations but uh yeah it requires a lot more planning a lot more effort um yeah definitely. but uh i'm glad yeah, like I, you um... were doing it man <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Well, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, I know that you're working on um, putting together a book of your images um, from Scotland. And um, I think you had mentioned to me that uh, that you're, you're purposely not showing any of those images um, or promoting any of that work until the book is done, which is kind of counterintuitive to like the, ne- the necessity of um, – self-promotion and promoting your photography in general. So I wanted to talk to you about that kind of, um, that dichotomy, because it, it seems like a quite the challenge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because um, f- photographers used to uh, get publishers on board, and then the publisher would say, right, we want a book on this subject, go out and shoot, and you'd shoot it over a year. Uh, often on on film and you're shooting for that client those images are never seen until the book is published so when the book comes out everything feels fresh but if i buy books from a lot of photographers who are on social media quite there's a lot of repetition or even total repetition there of shots that i've already seen before um and and i think that's a real shame like a, a book is is the perfect way to view a collection of photos for the first time short of going to a gallery and seeing an exhibition which is obviously prohibitively expensive um and impractical for most photographers at least in the uk because we we struggle to sell uh, high value prints in the uk which i think it might be slightly different in the us um but uh yeah so so books are a really special thing to me and i i think it's a bit of a shame if the excitement of opening the book and seeing the images is, is taken away by having already seen the images before online. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I, str- I really wanted to do that this year um, with the photos I took on my fall colors trip. So, but it was hard because every time I would process one of the images, I got really excited about it and I wanted to share it. Um, mm. And, um, but I really respect people that are able to like, I mean, uh, truly, I think it's self-restraint. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I sort of gave in a couple of times as well. So I started this project like three years ago and then I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. And I posted the photos up online and I was like, oh, no, I am going to do it. Um, and yeah, it, it is difficult. And um, 
I, I've had a, a funny relationship with social media over the years because on one side, I, I love the feedback and I love um, being able to show my work so freely to such a wide number of people and particularly with my peers. Um, uh, you had Alex Otto on yeah. um, a few few weeks ago. And he, was, he was one of the guys who I met through uh, DeviantArt at the time. Um, and there are a load of photographers who I met on DeviantArt who've since moved over onto other social media channels who I talk with on a very regular basis, um, you know, multiple times a week. Uh, and I get the kind of uh, feedback and just general chat from them um, that I couldn't from members of the general public because, you know, if, <laughs> it's like I talk to my girlfriend about it. She's sort of like spaces out half the time because, I mean, <laughs> who cares about photos? Oh, right? yeah, like um, my wife. Uh, any of my photos she's like eh it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and I, if i show if i show my mum any shot that has the color blue in she'll tell me it's cold oh yeah you know, oh it feels yeah, cold yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, every time i show my work to my mom she's like that's the most beautiful photograph i've ever seen right and you're like okay mom it's right not that okay good. We, we, should, we should maybe trade <laughs> <laughs> right right um well uh but it's okay because my mom won't listen to this so well it, i hope she does <laughs> um well it's it's funny you mentioned that um actually just yesterday i decided to create a facebook group um for this podcast um you know mostly so i could um you know tell people about upcoming guests and 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 things like that but also so that um people that are on the show and then people that are fans of the show can see each other's work and maybe even do some of this critique i actually um Wanted, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was um, this idea of, of, of photo critique. And it's, it feels a bit like a lost art um, to some degree. And, and I, I know you had mentioned that you were on DeviantArt. And um, I don't know if you were ever on um, NPN or anything like that. But it seems like those forums for really candid but, but highly useful critique um, they've kind of faded away. So I think there's some efforts yeah. out there to try to bring some of that stuff back. Yeah. So um, for me, it was Fred Miranda forums, actually. I don't know if yeah, you're aware of that sure. one, but um, yeah, so I, I pasted there for a couple of years and that was, that was really good for feedback. I mean, what one thing is, as, as you get better, of course, you get people critiquing you who've, who are actually critiquing points that you've kind of already thought of They're you know, compromises that you're happy to make or what have you. And so over time that does lose its value because you, you feel like you need to talk to the people who really understand your brand of photography, whatever it, it might be. But certainly at the start, critique is massively helpful and then and then later you you pick out these specific people who you think uh can can really hone in on on what you want so um yeah that's that's Harold Heitman and um Herkard Malan yeah. um for for me those those two guys um I get a lot of feedback from them and, and Guy Richardson who I shoot with a lot um and, and they're just very uh straight up with me no doubt uh they've they've had plenty of critique from me in the past as well i'm a i'm a very direct person um but yeah it was it was interesting seeing that change because i've I've been online too much over the last 10 (laughs) years and and you can you can just see it gradually fading away um and and the i'm offended culture creeps in and you know what what used to be you can you can just give people a critique direct that becomes rude so then you need the compliment sandwich you know you say oh i like this but this isn't so good uh, but then I like this um, 
you know, and I, I, I just, I just don't believe in that kind of stuff, to be honest. Um, you know, I think if you like something, you should say, of course, but, um, if a photo is just terrible, um, just, I mean, don't say it's terrible, obviously, but, but say, you know, where something could be improved, you don't need to say, oh, well, I, I really like this aspect if you don't honestly believe that. Um, so, so that's where it went first. And, and then people just, I think they got too wrapped up in themselves, um, I, I don't know. Artists get offended very easily, don't they? Um, it's uh... yeah. Well, especially if you're um, if you're newer, because um, I know for me, like when I first got started, like I don't know for whatever reason, my I had quite the ego um, for like, and now I'm like my work's terrible. But back when I first started, I was like, <laughs> oh, this is the best thing ever. And I remember the first person that like gave me really, really like harsh critique, which wasn't solicited, but still I was like deeply offended. So I get that. Um, but I think, mm. I think oftentimes, I think the problem lies in that um, people that are asking for critique don't exactly know how to ask for it in a constructive way. And then people don't necessarily know how to give the critique in a constructive way. So um, I tried to address some of that in my Facebook group. I said, um, Help it, like I said, explain why you took the photo. Are you happy with it? If you revisited it, what would you do differently to improve it? And then ask specific questions regarding the photograph so we know how to best help you. I feel like if, if yeah, which yeah. Is, that's probably a good way to manage it. I mean, I guess I came come at it from a different point of view in that I'm my own harshest critic. And when I started out, I was like, God, I'm terrible, <laughs> but I but I will get better. Um, and so I really embraced everything. I, I took everything, uh, well, to heart, but didn't let it uh, upset me either. Um, right, right. So, yeah, may, maybe I'm slightly different in, in that respect. But I, I think the biggest issue is um, assuming intent to the, the critique, right? So so people will read a critique um, of their work that says, oh, you know, the, the shot's unbalanced, all the interest is on the left-hand side and there's empty space on the right and it really doesn't work for me. Uh, you know, if you if you deliver a critique that is that blunt, you're not just critiquing the photo, you're critiquing the person that they haven't, you know, thought of that um and you're trying to put them down and it, you know it's not it's not seen just as a critique of a photo right there's there's everything else wrapped up in there and and that's the problem it is, it is the problem however um i'm sure you agree with this that um when someone points that kind of stuff out to me and especially if it's someone that i have a high respect for um like if someone mm -hmm. says to me like oh it's really left heavy or or like, oh, I don't really think the composition works or, or like, oh, did you, what did the sky's got way too many blown highlights or whatever it is. Like to me, like that just helps me think about different things to do better next time I'm out. So, um, and I'm more conscious and purposeful about how I compose and, and expose an image the next time I'm shooting. So I feel like if you can let go of that, kind of um you know taking it personally side of things it, there's tremendous value in it yeah definitely it's it it is it is hard to do though i mean that's that's the reality oh, i mean sure. of course i'm talking about 
um, people people being able to take critique well, but there's been plenty of times I haven't taken critique well because I've felt that it was ill-intentioned or, or what have you. And so in, in some respects, I'm, I'm no better than anybody else at, at taking critique. But certainly when you're starting, I think you really have to embrace that sort of thing. Um, and, and, you know, if you do have an ego or any pride, just forget about that for, for a minute and, uh, and listen to what people have to oh, say. Oh, for sure. Well, and, I, and I would say too, like the internet is a terrible delivery system for critique if you think about it like um, yeah or, or any form of communication <laughs> exactly. i mean ideally um it was so funny my my, my friend kane engelbert he, he actually came to my house and was critiquing some of my photos um and that that way is so much better because you know he can be you can see his body language for one and you can see his reactions and and his, his tone of voice and like you can tell like he he's not trying to like bag on your photo he's really trying to help you improve it like it's but it's hard to see that online i think for some people for sure (laughs) yeah and uh and and that leads into all of the uh online debates i've had about processing where i've uh you know expressed an opinion a little too strongly or or done it in a bad way and just thought oh god you know a few days later i'm picking myself (laughs) and yeah agonizing about whether i should delete everything i've ever written no i know and it's it's um it's it's hard it's hard for the deliver deliverer of the message to do it in a way that's um that doesn't come off sounding like a complete jerk and i think it's hard for mm-hmm. the receiver to receive it in a way that doesn't make them think like you're a complete jerk so it's it's not an easy it's not an easy thing no and 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 the other side of that for me is i really hate it when people don't say what they mean you know, so you, if you if you tread on eggshells a little bit too much, then you, you you fail to express the point that you wanted to make in the first place, right. or, or express it for, forcefully right. enough. Um, right. So, so what you're really so, trying to tell me is that this photo is complete shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing, though, isn't it? You know, there's di- there's different levels of directness that are appropriate for different situations, but getting that right, if you express a controversial opinion, if you're not part of the uh, you know, uh, happy-go-lucky people who who want to say everything is great. Um, you know, then expressing your point is actually very difficult oh, to do sure. um, in in an appropriate way. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, that topic of um, post-processing because um, one of the things that you had mentioned in your email to me, which really caught my attention and resonated with me, was. Uh, you know, and I, and I totally agree that there's kind of this online arms race for self-promotion and there's, there's kind mm-hmm. of this expectation from the public for, for high level artists to continually produce incredible photography. And I think that has a negative impact, um, on the results that we end up seeing online. And I wanted to, um, get your opinion on that, and 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 yeah, I mean, there's there's a thousand things that spring to mind when when you say that. I mean, you know, firstly, going going back to the the book point, which I didn't actually um, which oh, I didn't yeah. finish. You know, I I feel yeah, I I feel a pressure when I go up to Scotland and then come back and save these images for my book. I sort of feel a pressure to deliver to people. You know, I I'll say, oh, I'm going up to the northwest. You know, who wants to come? In some cases, or online, um, to try and find a hiking buddy if if somebody pulls out, um and 
you know, so people know that I am, I'm up there. They know that the weather's good. They know that there's snow on the mountains. They know that I'm going to go up the mountains. And I feel this expectation, uh, this weight on my shoulders to deliver all the time. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that's the case for, um, a lot of other photographers. And I, I had, um, I had a, a breakup with it with an ex-girlfriend. Uh, I think it was five, five or six years ago now. Uh, and I remember at the time, like I, I was devastated. And the last thing I wanted to do was take photos. And yet I sort of felt like I had to, like that it was another pressure on me, this idea that I need to keep presenting work to people, which which is nuts, isn't it? I mean, if I if I think about that now, I should have just gone to myself, oh, just stuff it for a few months, you know. Um and and I think that that's never healthy, is it? If you're if you're producing work because you feel that you have to, rather than because you want to, or because you have something that you know you feel you should yeah. be saying. Um, so so there's that side of of things. Um, there's also uh, from the photographic standpoint, appeasing the masses, shooting in a way that that you know will appeal. Um, in a base way to a mass market that you can deliver to on social media. So if I take a snow abstract with some nice clean lines and, you know, what, what have you, um, I can love an image like that. Uh, I photographed enough mountain sunsets actually. Um, and, and so some of those images now, uh, excite me more. Um, but I know that if I post those online, they're not going to get the traction mm -hmm. that, uh, a dramatic image would. And from a business standpoint, you know, <laughs> I I'd go out of business if I just shot snow abstracts. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, th there are some guys uh, producing that kind of work, but in general, they're not professionals. And, and if they are, they're not making their income through social media one way or another. So, I mean, for most people, it's either they are selling to people who find them directly through social media or they're building their brand, which might attract in commercial work and so on. But either way, it's driven through social media followings one way yeah, or another. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, I had Alexander uh, Dusham on the podcast a couple of weeks back, and which was super interesting because he doesn't speak um, English super well. Um, but he, we talked about that same exact thing that there's kind of this, um, this push pull that he feels about producing work that people expect him to produce and, and, mm. um, him wanting to just produce the work that speaks to him. And I think, I think a lot of us have that, um, that same challenge. I mean, I'm, there's lots of stuff that I would love to put out there that I just, I don't think anyone else would like it, but, um, I, but I don't know, like if you rely on it commercially, that becomes even more difficult because, um, you know, you, you're motivated by more than just what speaks to you artistically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess in, in one sense, I'm quite fortunate in that I, I still love photographing mountains. I still love camping in high places and, and trekking into the wilderness and, and all of those things appeal to people anyway. So, you know, I, I can count myself fortunate in one sense that I still love photographing those things. Um, but I think, well, I mean, let's say it'll be interesting to see what I think in five, five, 10 years time, if, you know, I've, I continue to shoot in that manner. Um, because I, I think, yeah, I mean, essentially, it's populist photography, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's what leads to, um, well, genericism. Oh, for, for sure. I mean, that's, uh, know, to, 
Um, a, f- a few of the people I've had on the podcast that own galleries, I think, you know, things that we've talked about is that there's a big difference between uh, a great photograph and a photograph that will sell. And I think oftentimes, um, I know I personally struggle with like, m- yeah, maybe this image won't sell, but I think it's a better photograph. So I'm a, that's the photograph I'm going to take. And a lot of, I think that's why a lot of people continually go to these kind of um, kind of popular location, you know, like postcards and, you know, we've been, we call it stamp collecting and things like that. It's, it's, it's oftentimes because people, uh, those are the photos that people buy, you know? Yeah. So I think one of the differences there is that in the UK, we don't quite have the uh, print and uh, well, certainly the print market that you do in the US. So the idea of shooting these popular locations to sell photos directly maybe doesn't apply so much here, which which maybe makes it even stranger that people shoot icons in, in just the same way. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as you're saying earlier, whenever you're trying to balance, um, you know, shooting for yourself with shooting for other people, whether it's people buying your photos or for social media, that's always going to be a difficult balance to strike. Yeah. Um, so how, how have you found that um, influencing the the decisions that you make as a full-time professional? Um, well, I mean, again, because I, I enjoy the hiking and the mountainous side of things, um, that that kind of gives me my direction um and as it is i think that sort of things isn't particularly commercial and i'm kind of ignoring that and letting my business suffer at the moment um because <laughs> okay okay like people in the uk don't buy photos of mountain sunsets unless they've been at the mountain themselves um yeah you know so and I, i'm sure that's the same anywhere else um and like anywhere else all those markets for photos are shrinking um in in whatever format they they come in so um you know there's the there's the odd commercial avenue that i have that i guess other people wouldn't so i i write for outdoor magazines sometimes um but uh, and, and i run these adventure based workshops which which is unusual but by and large what i do isn't it doesn't have a mass appeal and certainly commercially it's a pretty disastrous choice of photography uh like most landscape photography to be perfectly honest that's why you have so many <laughs> professionals uh running workshops as opposed to selling their work at, um especially in europe oh well especially over here too well, i mean yeah. it's i'm 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 still amazed that uh that there because there's so many people doing workshops i'm just always amazed that they're all able to actually stay in business yeah i mean i i suspect that they don't um to be perfectly honest um uh, there's there's a lot of people who are running workshops of course on on the side of having a full-time job which i which i was doing for a while um and and then suddenly uh you know, charging relatively little in some cases to take a group to Iceland for a week and earning money whilst going on holiday in Iceland, which is almost how it started out for me. Um, I mean, workshops are are a lot of work, but they can be a lot of fun as well. So, you know, teaching people photography was never really a a stress to me. And so whilst I was working, putting, you know, doing the workshops on the side, um, that was that was no problem at all. Um, And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I think um, I think it would, it would be enjoyable. Um, I'm just, uh, I guess, what I'm amazed by is that there's enough uh, demand to mm-hmm. fill the amount of supply that there is. Because um, I would say, 
you know, I've had almost 40 people on the podcast and probably three fourths of them do workshops and about half of them do workshops pretty much full time. Mm -hmm. And they're all very busy and successful. Um, So it's, it's, it's just amazing to me that there's that much, um, there's that many people out there that uh, have the expendable income to do that. Um, I'm not complaining. I think that's a good thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've got to be honest. I I find it constantly amazing just how much people are able to charge for workshops. And that's not, that's not necessarily (laughs) to say that they they aren't even value for money, but I can't, I can't imagine ever being in a position where I could afford a, you know, $4,000 one week workshop. Uh, That's, you know, that's pie in the sky stuff for me. Um, but but I guess you know if you're if you're doing uh, really well and you're working really hard uh, and you've got that income but you're short on time, then actually spending a lot of money um, t- to make sure that that holiday time is awesome uh, could make a lot of sense. Oh, for sure. Um, I think um, spe- I don't know how it is in Europe, but I mean definitely here in the United States, um, there's there's a lot of people that have expendable income and don't really know what to do with it. Um, uh, perfect opportunity. Send them my helps. way. Yeah, support, support the podcast on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like my podcast? Uh, you know, help me out. Uh, <laughs> instead of spending $6,000 on a workshop, spend $10 on my podcast. That's it. Stop, That'd be great. Stop wasting your money and give it to us suffering photographers. Right. <laughs> uh, so at some point we're, we were also suffering photographers, but, um, well, so another thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, was, and I, and I, and I've noticed this as well. So I'm glad you brought it up, um, in your email to me, um, was that you, you seem to have noticed a trend and, and obviously it's, it's, it's a generalization, but I think it is true, um, that there's definitely a difference in, um, processing styles between, um, people, photographers in the United States versus photographers in Europe. And I wanted to, um, get, kind of get your take on that. And maybe you could tell me like what you've noticed and what do you think that's about? Yeah. Um, (laughs) again, I have to do the whole like treading on eggshells thing of, I don't want to hugely generalize because there's loads of American photographers who aren't like this. And there's loads of European photographers who, who are the other way and, and shoot maybe in a more quotes American style. Um, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, I it's it's immediately noticeable that there is an American style, if you like, that Europeans are aware of. Um, that I've talked with, uh, you know, I've talked with lots of my peers about this. Um, I, I think it actually follows back to Mark Adamus. Um, I, I think he actually influenced a lot of photographers. Um, Directly or, or indirectly, uh, I think his success was something that people wanted to emulate. And uh, he has a, an aesthetic to his, his processing. I, I don't want to call it a style because I think processing effects are not a style. They're a, they're a look. Um, and so, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd avoid conflating those two terms. But um, I, I think his, uh, his way of uh, editing where he's creating these vibrant, um, glowy, fantastical, bombastic mountain landscapes, it has an immediate base appeal, uh, as, I was, as I was discussing earlier. It's, it's a populist form of imagery, uh, and that propels it forward on social media. It gets seen by more people, and people want to emulate that. Um, mm-hmm. And then there have been a number of um, 
relatively influential American photographers sub- subsequently who have um, followed in that style, uh, <laughs> using the term style loosely. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just really interesting for me because um, I guess somewhat naively on my point, uh, on my perspective, I find it difficult to see past that effect. And I've, I've read interviews with other photographers and they're saying, oh, well, our styles are so different because of this, that and the other. But actually, I find it very difficult to see past the fact that they process in the same way, that the effect is so strong on their images. I, I, I find it difficult to see through that. And I could name you 20 American photographers who, to me, are the same person, um, which, which is ridiculous if you look at their work in any in any detail, because it, it is very different in, in its way. Um, but this effect is is there in so many of those images um, where, you know, you have this high contrast, high saturation, and, and then quite often an autumn effect applied to mm-hmm. uh, create this magical atmosphere. And, and I think it's, um, yeah, it, it is relatively unique to America, that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I certainly... Um, noticed um probably i would say especially like um 20 2011 to 2015 like it seemed like that style really propagated itself especially like on 500 px like you would see a lot of very similar um post-processing styles well like you say it's loosely used style but i mean if you could and any given day places as well, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. even even some remote places, you know, in Glacier National Park, and um, you know, various places in, in Olympic National Park, and and so on. Um, I, I I saw so many images, and I thought, oh, that's by, and I was like, oh no, it's not, it's somebody else. Um, and yeah, that that almost seems like a step in the opposite direction, where you you you're a professional photographer, but you want to be the same. Um, I yeah. It, it's it's strange to me, um, but then it makes a lot of sense as well because uh, those those people may not have been successful um, or or not as successful to the degree they are, were it not for the fact that the way they produce images is immediately appealing and relatable to the broader public, um, and so those are the people who are pushed forward. Whereas the guy towels of this world are, are lesser known by the by the mass market. Yeah, well, that's that's a tragedy in itself. But um, talk about polar opposite styles. Um, you have yeah. Guy Tal who, like, I mean, you can just tell through his imagery that it's it's such a deep personal connection to the landscape, um, and and processing is not even the it's not even on your mind when you look at his images. It's it's like about yeah. this this experience of the American Southwest, and then you look at um, I mean, I know a lot of these people, so I'm not afraid to like say their names because I think they're all highly respected photographers. But I think you have a point, you know, that their 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 styles are are very very similar, um, and I think it's because, like you were saying, um, it's for whatever reason it's it's quite appealing, so people want to yeah. em- people want to emulate it. Um, but I also think um, a lot of a lot of those people have actually directly um, taken workshops or learned directly from him. Um, yeah, absolutely. So it, it makes sense. I mean, if <laughs> it's like if you did like the whole Kevin Bacon seven degrees of separation thing, like 
Uh, you could probably trace back on a map that most of those photographers trace back to like two or three guys, and Mark Adamus certainly certainly is at the top of the list. And um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I I haven't got any lofty opinions about myself in terms of you know being unique or original or having a really strong style that's immediately identifiable or anything like that. And I've I've got no real aim to make that happen. You know, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, whatever. Um, I'm not really even that bothered about being called an artist or, or not. I, I like taking photos. If people want to call them just photos, fine. If people want to say it's art, <laughs> fine. Um, but I I think, um, you know, in whilst I don't think my work is original at all, I haven't sort of put a hallmark on it that groups it together with another group of people, if you like. And, and that's kind of how I feel that that what that process does to those images personally. So it's kind of like if all those photographers who who applied this autumn effect and so on were shooting in infrared, then everybody would go, oh, yeah, the infrared crowd over there. Um, and that's kind of the way I, I see them. I, I, I just associate all of these images so strongly because of this effect that's applied to them. Yeah. Um, do, it's, do you associate them in a negative way or you just you kind of group them all together just because of the similarities in, in quote unquote style? It 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 does actually do depend massively. So, um, yeah, you you were talking you were talking uh, to Alex Otto about um, processing and how um, it makes sense if you want to be producing quality work on a consistent basis that you just process things until you'd achieved an image that was appealing to people. You know, if I if I wanted to produce a bulk of work that did really well on social media i need to do a hell of a lot more processing than i am at the moment and that would also be a much easier than me trekking up mountains <laughs> uh, and i should just shoot a lot of very similar compositions from a mountaintop and process them differently with different moods and so on and po post them months apart but i mean i mean i don't really believe in that sort of thing um and and the absolute worst for me is people stretching mountains oh, i mean yeah. people going People going to the most dramatic mountain ranges in the world and they're not good enough. You know, the Torres del Paine, the, you know, the Dolomites, uh, Lof Lo the Lofoten Islands in, uh, in Norway, and they see these massive granite walls and they go, right, well, that needs to be one and a half times bigger. And actually, my golden sunset needs to be red now. Um, and I, I just don't associate with that mentality, uh, unfortunately. And um, yeah, it, it actually makes me angry sometimes. Um, and uh, and you were discussing this with with Alex and saying, oh, well, maybe, um, you know, some of it's uh, oh, we're, we're a bit jealous of the success or I can't, I can't remember exactly what was said. Um, but I, I think it's a, it's a lot more than that. I mean, sure, um, if I look at somebody's success and I feel I can attribute it to um, what I might view as a shortcut, then then that's frustrating. Um, but I've had experiences, uh, you know, w even when uh, I was starting out and I'd, I'd have an exhibition and I'd have local people going along and asking me had I used Photoshop because, they, you know, they didn't believe in the image. And, and that's the magic of photography for me. It's what makes it unique as an art form. Um, and, and, uh, and seeing that eroded like it's worthless, uh, that, that really upsets me, actually. Um, and so it's it's a, it's so much more complicated for me than you know, am I jealous of somebody? Um, mm -hmm. Do I think they're cheating? It, it, it has a lot of implications, right? Because um, people and, and people it, can't trust that that 
images are actually even remotely authentic. Yeah, uh, and this whole like chasing the the wow factor. I mean, people stretch mountains to make them bigger, but who's ever stretched a mountain to make it smaller? <laughs> and yet, surely, from an aesthetic standpoint, purely aesthetic standpoint, sometimes it would make sense to make a mountain smaller uh, if if that was the only reason. Um, but it, it's not. It's about creating an increasingly dramatic image uh, all the time. Um, and I think with a, a bit of a disregard for, for the implications of that. Um, and disclosure is also tied into that uh, very, very heavily. You know, there's this idea that, you know, oh, well, if somebody asks me, I'm open about my process, I'll admit to doing these things. But it's it's not the same as somebody looking at a photo and knowing it's a manipulation versus not knowing. Um, oh, God, I, I just talking about this, I just go off on one, don't I? It's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you wouldn't get a word in edgeways, and I'd be here, you know, two hours later going, Matt, you still there? No, no, dude. I. This is probably one of my favorite uh, topics because um, um, I think within it is embedded a lot of very interesting um, um, side conversations around ethics and around human behavior and around uh, motivation and around... Uh, the difference between art and photography and that, that, that blurring of lines. I, I think the reason why I'm kind of sitting here and thinking about it, because um, I, it, what you're saying completely resonates with me. Um, and, um, you know, I've been, I've always been a very strong proponent of, um, well, first of all, I'm a strong believer that, you know, people should really be able to do whatever you want. If you, if you're going to call it art, call it art, do whatever you want. If the image speaks to you, it speaks to you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but I definitely agree that, um, that you have to disclose any types of, um, things, especially if you're changing the shape of an, of an object, or if you're removing an object, or if you're including an object, like Mm -hmm. dropping in a Milky Way or like, um, you know, like, I just feel like that's the only way that people can keep that trust. I don't know if you follow um, photographer from the United States, Mike Taylor. He's mostly a night photographer. Um, I had him on the podcast pretty early on, but um, he does an interesting thing. He does a lot of digital manipulation, but um, every time he posts an image, he will actually post like like all of the images that went into creating the image, like full disclosure, mm-hmm. like super honest, like here's what I started with and here's what I ended with. Like, um, and I, I really like that. I think that, um, I think there's some value to that. Um, yeah, I don't know if everyone else thinks there's value to that, but I personally really well, like that he does that. So here's the thing. If you're, um, if you're compositing an image, um, to create an artwork that is appealing to people, that's great. I have I have no issue with that whatsoever. Um, I, I don't care how the end result is achieved. But if you're passing that off as real, then what you're actually doing is you're kind of trading in for, for the future people's belief in photography as a medium. So what you're doing, you're saying, right, now people believe in photography. So for now, I'm going to claim that this is a straight photograph you know, by omission, by not saying, oh, it's a, it's a composite or what have you. Um, and so you're claiming it's a straight photograph. People are amazed by that. And that is the appeal of your photograph. You've created something more amazing than existed. 
um, and that is why it is loved. Now, in the future, that will flip because people taking straight photographs, um, anybody looking at a photograph will go, well, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. I mean, there's an inevitability to it. I mean, the, the, like even arguing the point seems uh, seems worthless to me <laughs> at least half the time because I'm just I'm just pointlessly arguing into the abyss, you know. Um, right. Uh, and 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 this mass appeal really doesn't help as well. I mean, this group of American photographers. Uh, I'll t- I'll tell you a, a specific example. Um, on Facebook in the summer, I very stupidly um, linked to a photographer's uh, video tutorial, which was basically related to turning a photograph that wasn't anything special into something special. Oh, Ryan Dyer. Um, <laughs> no names <laughs> um and that that was that was pretty stupid of me uh i i'll admit that um but it very quickly became uh became personal and of course i'm i'm friends with enough people who are friends of friends and so on sure. i landed myself in, in a lot of hot water for discussing that in what was ultimately not a very clever way but one thing i i did notice was that this massive fan club appeared on my public Facebook post. Again, I should have made that private. But, um, you know, and, and they all had uh, Ryan's back. They they all said, you know, oh, you know, how can you be this, that, and the other. There was no, there was no um, actually arguing the point. There was no discussion of, of whether it matters because everybody was so offended, apparently. Um, I mean, I, I suspect I'm going to get lit up as soon as this goes online as well for even discussing it again. But, um, but a lot, a lot of these points that um, people like myself make. We, firstly, we get branded as purists, which is farcical because we all edit our images. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but a lot of the points that we make are just ignored because we are the bad guys. We are the close-minded. Um, minority who can't let people just ignore uh, enjoy their photography well of course that that mass of people are actually doing very well um with with their approach with not disclosing things and if you ask a question like okay so why don't you disclose they'll they'll say something like oh well I, i i don't have to why should i do you know and it, it, I, I just can't see it ever being coming to a to a resolution, and so quite often I I let uh, other people um, argue the point for a while, and then I just can't resist uh, wading in again. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I think I mean that's one of the th- reasons why I wanted to do this podcast um, because I think I think there should be a there should be a forum by which we can have these conversations in a in a in a constructive and ethical way and. Because I think, um, you know, I think there's validity to what you're saying and there's probably validity to their perspective and there's probably no right or wrong answer here. But I think having an intelligent conversation about it is critical, especially um, if, if, I mean, for me, it's critical because I love landscape photography. And, and if we're just going to ignore this kind of elephant in the room, yeah. I, I think it's better, it's healthier to have a good conversation than to just like dismiss it as um criticism that's that's uh unfounded i think i think the reason people come to people's defense like that is because as photographers i've noticed that sometimes and i didn't see your post so i have no idea but um sometimes we we tend to um 
instead of celebrating each other's successes, we tend to like try to find reasons like what's wrong with that success. Like a few, like a few weeks ago, I posted like that I was a 500 PX ambassador, which, you know, like not a lot of people like 500 PX anymore. So instead of people saying like, congratulations and good job and that's cool. Like, what does that mean? Like there were people that were like, that site's shit and like I would never go there again. And like, I'm like, that's great. But, um, why are you shitting on my parade? Like (laughs) it didn't bother me, but there were other people coming in my defense. And I think people, I mean, the community is pretty tight. Like it's smaller than I thought it was. I mean, like you said, you know, friends with friends with friends. But it's both, it's both small, yeah, it's both smaller and bigger, isn't it? I mean, there's three degrees of separation or whatever it might be from every photographer in the world rather than seven. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, um, well, shit, man, we could we could talk about this topic for like seven hours straight and then it'll be like the most epic podcast episode in the history. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of more questions before we wrapped up. Um, and we're pretty close to running out of time already, so... My my question is, and you've, you've listened to the podcast a few times, so I think you know what's coming. Um, you know, based on the name of the podcast, F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, what, uh, what advice do you have for other landscape photographers? Um, I, think, I think the biggest one for me is to just pursue your photography for, for your own reasons. Um, I mean, I, I think I should say get out, get out there a bit more as well. Get you know, go off the beaten track um, because that that is where I found reward in, in my photography. Um, but but certainly now, I mean, people listening to your podcast, no doubt, will have found your podcast through social media. So I'm assuming that I'm talking to people who are fairly engaged on on social media in the first place. And I just think it's a really uh, dangerous place actually to develop your photography unless you're very careful about how you approach it Mm. um yeah and and also um i would say don't ever use the autumn effect (laughs) (laughs) to ever ever use it oh that's funny never i uh, i you know um i use it occasionally but not (laughs) it's fine it's fine all 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 my photography friends do more (laughs) or less Uh, i don't know i I hear what you're saying (laughs) one by one by one they've fallen you know, <laughs> I, I think there's a. I used to hold them in such high. Esteem. I think there's a time and a place for it. I think the problem is that people try to apply it to every single situation, and it just looks, it just looks wrong. Yeah. You know? Like, okay, that's not how that looked mm-hmm. at all. But uh, I think there's specific examples um, where it can uh, deal with contrasty edges in quite a nice and natural way if it's done expertly. Right. Um, but if they're if you're yes. So there's a few people. Like if the top of your mountain has two lines on it because of Orton, like you probably pushed it a little too far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, my last question is, who do you want to hear on the podcast? Like who inspires you? Who do you think would be? I, th- I think we've I think we've got to have Hokard Malan on okay. here because um, he is a photographer I've known for a, for a long time. Uh, he's, he's a fun guy. I've hiked with him quite a lot in South Africa. Um, and he usually hides away from expressing any uh, controversial opinions, but I know that he holds them. <laughs> I like it. Um, and uh, yeah, he's got a South African accent too, which, you know, will spice up your podcast. <laughs> um, 
and uh, also Harold Ar- Heitman, I think, would be a good guy to to have on. Um, he does a lot of uh, trips in in Norway. He's based in Lofoten, um, and his his work is is fantastic. Awesome. Um, yeah, so those two guys would be great to have on. I think. Okay, well, thanks. I appreciate the recommendations. Well, man, uh, thanks so much. Like this has been so fun. I could we could probably go on and on and on. So um, that that's a good thing for me. Yeah, we just. We just wouldn't get anywhere if we were talking about that processing topic. <laughs> well, yeah, but people might enjoy us bantering about it. I don't know. Well, thank, thanks yes, again, man. Yeah, I, I sure. really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. So. Yeah, I enjoyed it, Matt. It was nice, nice talking yeah. to you,